Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? I'm doing great, bud. How about yourself? <sighs> Not bad. Is this a relief rally still? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um. <laughs> you know, um, Charlie Munger said the reason they... Um, they have so many correct predictions is because they make so few of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I fuck, I don't know. Uh, what can I tell you? You know, I, I, um, as you know, I read a lot of research, right. And, um, so fourth quarter GDP came in six or 7% on an annualized basis. First quarter, they're forecasting sub 1%. Okay. If you look at UMICH consumer sentiment surveys, the only thing from keeping them lower is that they're at the bottom of the chart. Yeah. Amazing, right? <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I had dinner with uh, some friends last night who are in the uh, agricultural and uh, heavy mining equipment business. And, you know, they're, they're killing it. Right. And so, uh, I mean, why wouldn't they be? Oil prices are through the roof. Ag prices are through the roof. Um, that stuff's so, showing no signs of slowing down. Um, but they've extrapolated like, ain't life grand. Everything's perfect. Everyone's killing it. The economy's ripping. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm in my own little bubble here, which I, I'm, predicting I'm going to be staying in uh, to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're in the, like the client facing services business yep. and your business is going very well too. Yep. To yep. The, I would get the like, same report that those guys did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder, uh, you know, if you uh, operate the dry goods store, you know, mm-hmm. how's that going or restaurants or, um, been to the movie theater lately please so please. I, I you know i don't yeah I, don't, I, I just don't know um 
I think uh, I think today's episode. I'm I'm vying for the least prepared. <laughs> so we'll see how we see how it goes. But okay. uh, um, we got a number of comments from listeners, and they are on various topics. Um, and I thought they sort of coalesced into a theme that I thought might be interesting to talk about. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, first and foremost, uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to send us comments. Um, secondly, and, and maybe even uh, more importantly, um, the, the comments are in most instances well thought out and make salient points and come with any lack of attitude or intellectual arrogance or antagonism. And I mention that because uh, one of the uh, fellows sent us an email, and I'm not going to read it, but the crux of it was what I've wanted to talk about for a while is, like, what's the environment that a professional trader sits in? Um, cause you've heard Liam and I talk about trades for 61 episodes now, and I've probably made 40 predictions about the market and 39 have been wrong. And one was, t- one was a tie. Uh, so how did a guy who's this wrong about predicting things end up making money pretty much every year? And, and, uh, so that's what I thought might be interesting to talk about. And, mm-hmm. and, and so um, of all my former uh, colleagues, Liam, you've met the uh, fish fan snowboard friend, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, have you ever met Leslie? Not, nope. Leslie, by the way, fucking Leslie Harris. He's, he's on my shit list. Now <laughs> the doorbell rings yesterday. There's a package and it's from fucking Katz's. And I, and I know this is no good, right? This is fucking no good. I opened the thing. Oh, hold on, hold on. For- Katz's is another Jewish deli in New York City for the listening audience. Right, so last week, Mark Morris got a package from Barney Greengrass, and we discussed Barney Greengrass versus Russ and Daughters. And now Katz has entered the chat. Okay, to, to really foul things up. Yeah. So, so, so we've got a package from Cats on the doorstep. Okay. Go on, go on. So I, I open it, and the first thing that pops out is a hat. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> good. Maybe it's like a hat and a T-shirt. No. Then there's the block of dry ice. Okay. And then there's two fucking loaves of bread. I don't know. It could be five pounds of mm-hmm, brisket mm-hmm. and pastrami and corned beef. And uh, so I'm trying to get it in the refrigerator for Cheryl season. Right, <laughs> nothing misses this woman's eye. Right? Why are you trying so, to hide it from Cheryl? Why are you trying to? Why is this going under the radar? <laughs> not that is allowed. <laughs> what are you kidding me? Okay, it's all right, a just hard, make... it's hard okay. attack on a bun. Right? Okay, yep. So, um, anyway, uh, I do the uh, I did a Zwift ride this morning inside because I'm I'm still a little loath to go ride on the road, sure. and. Um, you know, I put a pretty pretty good effort into it, and uh, I mean the the numbers aren't what they used to be, but you know, I I got on the bike and I turned up and I did it right. 
So, uh, but I hadn't eaten breakfast. So anyway, Cheryl's saying, I'm going out to exercise class and I may meet this uh, friend of mine for a cup of coffee after. I said, it's okay, honey. I'll keep my phone. And if I fall and I break my hip, I'll call 911. (laughs) (laughs) So I still have her in my mind and I open the refrigerator and um, I get a thing of yogurt out. Right, because yogurt's supposed to sure. be good for you, so I eat the yogurt. Right. And uh, I went to get something to wash it down, and I open it up, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this package of corned beef. <laughs> and <laughs> what is this like eight thirty in the morning? Nine uh, thirty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've eaten one thing of yogurt, and I've eaten a pound of corned beef. <laughs> <laughs> So as soon as this podcast is over, and it may only be thirty minutes, I'm going and lying down, taking a nap. I know, (laughs) maybe maybe two. Um, But anyway, thank you. Thank you. Who sent it, Leslie? Leslie. Leslie. So you got? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He he just—it's like a fucking war. Uh, yeah. Hey, look, look, you got friends that care about you. Be happy, they, okay? They, they, yeah, I know. Yeah, but friends like that. <laughs> What's next? Chop liver. <laughs> you tried that, right? Did you? Oh, it's that? the best. I'll eat it with a spoon out of the container. I recommended Liam go to Kansas and get either the corned beef or pastrami with mm-hmm. chopped liver on top of it. Dude, you need supplemental oxygen. <laughs> it's fucking worth it. Uh, uh, anyway, back to the comments. Um, you know, we're really crafting a bespoke audience here. So one fellow commented how it's hard enough to uh, pay for one episode, and then we did the double header. Right. Uh, so I think that guy's got a sense of humor. Another uh, person commented about uh, the digital exam and his clue was to get a female doctor, which, you know, it's like, trust me, that, that does, there's there's nothing, there's nothing there. Um, But the two fellows, and, and I, and this is what I want to weave into this notion of like the professional trading. Uh, One fellow has now twice written in about Russia and the guy's seemingly to me got his facts dialed in, whereas I don't. Full stop. Okay. The other person wrote in and politely, you know, uh, uh, said, you know, kind of what's the deal with the, the crypto stuff? What, why you got such a angst about the crypto stuff? And, and so I'm really excited to get comments like that because I think two things. One is I can underscore and really show how if, if I'm going to call myself a successful professional trader, and I, as much as I hate to admit it, I think I'm, I've earned that right. Okay. I think it's, it's going to be uh, accretive to go through that. And then the notion of the crypto why I'm so much against it. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about Russia first. Mm. Okay. Uh, By the way, it doesn't sound like the war is going very well for Russia. Jeez. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it does. I mean, 
if you pay attention, if you if you follow it day by day, I mean, number one, social media does a great job of putting out information. You got to throw half of it away. You got to fact check the other half, and then you got you boil that other half down to ten percent, and you'll get the truth. But the amount, the images of you see of an unprepared Russian army that's bogged down with shitty equipment, bad generals, bad morale. You've got troops running over generals with their tanks because you got half the battalion killed. It's a mess for them. Um, well, you have these famous Russian military theorists, the first mm. one being Sun Tzu. Oh, wait a minute. No, that, it's, he's not Russian. Uh, Clausewitz. No, wait, that's yeah. that's not Russian. Uh, John Boyd. Mm. No, that's, that's not Russian. Uh, Napoleon. No, he's not Russian. Ferdinand Foch. Mm. No, he's not Russian. Um, it's... So the fact that they can't find their ass with both hands is is not a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the war is going poorly. And my contention, which I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, is that they would, would run out of money. Okay. So how, how do I weave this into this concept of being a professional trader? You have to know what you know. But there's a couple of sayings, one from Mark Twain, which I think something along the lines of, it wasn't the things that I didn't know that got me into trouble. It was the things I knew for sure. And then, of course, that famous Greek philosopher, Harry Callahan, man's got to know his limitations, right? Okay. So... um, you know, I go to great lengths when we talk about things where there's human suffering. And, and, and I, I, I always try and make the point that I want to differentiate or bifurcate the fact that people are suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think that's terrible. But if our job is to analyze the dynamic and try yeah. to figure out. So, I mean, in its strictest sense, if I think the economy is going to weaken, Okay, then I would want to buy two-year notes in general, not in this instance, but in general. So you could say, well, you know, you're making money because people are going to lose their jobs. And well, there's always some level at which. Of course. So um, the thing about uh, the Russia example is I've been to Russia. I've read a little bit about it. You know, I've read the bios of Lenin and. Marx and uh, uh, Stalin, but I don't really know anything about Russia, and I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, this concept of being a professional trader isn't, in my world, so much about knowing what you know. It's skulking around looking at different things, trying to find times when. You see something happening, and you can find a way that the financial markets haven't priced a certain potential outcome as you think they should have. And um, I don't know if I did a good job explaining that, but um, the the point is, uh, for me, uh, it was never about was I being the smartest guy or 
did I have the most eloquent way of explaining something? No, my job was to go in there and with the phone and the Bloomberg and the pad of paper and a pen, scratch around till you find ways to make money. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is so many people have these big, long-winded explanations of how things are going to go. And, and yeah, you can, you can ask me my opinion of the economy, and I have an opinion about it. But if I don't see a way to asymmetrically set up a trade to profit from it, I, I'm, I'm not going to bother, right? Yep. So uh, let's take a look at the, the stock market, for example. So there's you, 39-year-old, 39, right? Sure. Okay, 39, close enough. Uh, I think I'm 61, I think. I, I'm, I'm not so, you know, you'll fact check it, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two totally different objectives, right? We both believe over 20 years, stocks are going to put, uh, pick a number, an 8% compounded IRR. Yep. Okay. Uh, 20 years, not two, not five, not eight, but, but 20. Um, you got 20 years because in 20 years, you'll be looking to retire and you'll have your, your kid will be, you know, finishing up college. And, and I I don't, I mean, maybe I got 20 years, maybe I don't, but my job's done, right? I got three kids that are kids, they're adults. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so you and I have two totally different perspectives about how we, how we approach things. So, you know, I'll look at the stock market now and I'll say, you've got, a Fed, which is aggressively tightening. This is aggressive. And um, what is unique about this, uh, and I challenge somebody to push back against this, I don't ever recall the administration, the Treasury, and the Fed all agreeing that rates are too low and inflation is too high. I think this is pretty unique. That's number one. Number two, if you look at the University of Michigan consumer sentiment stuff, it's bad. And whether you believe behavioral economics or not, people tend to spend based on their forecast of future earnings. So you have that. Uh, You have not only the Fed raising rates, there's going to be uh, the constriction based on the running down of the Fed's balance sheet. So there's going to be more money coming out of the system. Um, You combine that with very high uh, price-earnings ratios, which when they were going up, the claim was they're going up because rates are going down. Well, the 10-year note rates backed up 100 this year. The 2-year note rates backed up 200 in like two months, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Going back to my rule of how much, okay, so there, so there you go. The two-year note traded, I think, two and a quarter on Friday, maybe, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's a real that's fucking two number. Two and a half, yeah, by two and a half, I thought, yeah. Uh, I, we can check. I thought that was the 10-year. Oh, that was but, the 10 uh, Yeah, so, and then you have the curve very flat, which is typically an indicator of recession. So, yeah, do I think this is a relief rally? Yeah, I, I think it's a relief rally. But 
for somebody like you, you got, you sit, I imagine you sit on your hands, right? Because you, earnings on the stock market come, you know, 10 days out of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And if you miss mm-hmm. those 10 days, you're, you're fucked. So you, okay. And for me. Wow, wow, wow. So repeat that. Say that again. That's that's fascinating. Say that again. Ten days, huh? I, well, once again, give me a little attitude. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But if, if you look at if you look at the earnings, okay, the bulk of the earnings in the market come on a tiny fraction of the days of the year, which is why you know guys will give you that hackneyed expression. It's not you know how I forget exactly what it is, but it's basically you you don't time the market. Mm-hmm. You, yes, because yeah. how are you going to time when those 10 or 11 or 12 days are? And I'm sure yeah. I've, I've seen this chart. I know it's out there somewhere, but, and, and you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. And, and so, um, I, I guess the point is for the people with long-term portfolio needs, um, you, you, you're not supposed to time it, right? Yeah, you're supposed to yeah. put a regular basis. Okay. And that's what I've seen my brother do over the years and with, with great success. Me, you know, Mr. Genius, uh, I'm sure my return is no better than his, uh, except I've made my brokers a lot happier and, uh, than he has. And, uh, I, you know, I've probably spent way more time putzing around on the screens yep. and, uh, you know, Mark's gotten the job done, but, right. um, so that's the, that's the beauty of it though. You know, that is, that's what makes yeah. it so much fun. You know, Mark can do it his way. You do it your way. I'll do it my way. And yeah, you know, but that way, but we all have, we have, that's three different time horizons. And with a million people, you have a million yeah. different time horizons. Right. So like, there's no exactly. cookie cutter. You just have to apply what he says to your, yeah. to your application. So, so let's go back and talk about the professional trading. Okay. So my golden years, the years where I was like in the flow, right place, right time, where it was Greenwich Capital, and it was like 92 to 2008. And for the bulk of that time, uh, it was the same number of guys in the group. Uh, I think there might have been a, a change here or there. Wow. The management may have changed a little bit, but you had a very small number of guys, okay? And this goes to the point I wanted to make about the comment from the guy about Russia and the comment about the guy with the crypto. Okay. Now, let's say we had six traders. I I can go through, but let's just say six traders. And then we had probably three or four time full-time IT analysts. And then we probably had three or four what I would call trade clerks. Uh, once again, clerk, not a pejorative term. You know, their job would be to either execute trades, run analysis. Okay. So um, why I'm so keen on the comments from these people who sent them to us, where they clearly disagreed with what I, or what we had talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So. But the point is, they did it in a non-adversarial way. So imagine, okay, you're sitting in a room, 
you got six guys who are managing risk. You have four guys whose job it is to work with the rest of the people in the room to present them with information in a way that, you know, is most useful. Then you have a number of people whose job it is to run scenario analysis, right? But the key element here is there is an ongoing dialogue about the market. And if every time you said, well, I I think the Fed's going to go 50, some guy says, you stupid fucking cunt, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You know, what are you doing Mm -hmm. here? Well, Mm -hmm. that's going to shut the, right? That's going to shut the whole thing down. And what we had was, uh, for the most part, a very, very collegial atmosphere. Now, you know, you're in a trading room. uh, You get paid a percentage of what you make. People trade different things. Sometimes some trades look better than others. Okay. Uh, Do you want to shout out in the middle of a bunch of guys you compete with, sort of, your best trade idea? Well, Maybe not because there's limited resources. There's finite amounts of uh, that you can get on. There's only so much risk we can manage. But you know, over time, as I was able to move up in the ranks, you know, I, I found ways to get people to work a little bit more closely together, and um, I, I think that is the advantage that we had as a group of professional traders and why I think for the most part, when I hear about guys going off on their own, very rarely did guys, you know, do well. You had 16 years, you had the same six guys. That's an eternity, 16 years, you know, and to have that, to not have guys leave and, and not have a revolving door and to have a collegial, you know, like for you know, I don't want to say a fraternity of guys, but a group yeah. of people, because I know you had women in there too. Um, yeah. But that's just that's astounding that, that you well, can keep it thank, together thank for that you. long. So, so um, what I was blessed with was a series of bad bosses uh-huh. over my early career. Yeah. And um, one of the guys who I worked for, uh, I, I won't mention his name because it's not in a favorable light. He was telling me how one year he was running the place. And uh, at the end of the year, the bonus pool was X, and he took 90% of it. And um, people were complaining. He says, well, I made the money. Why should I? Okay. So what I kind of figured out from that after seeing what happened is if you have four traders and each of them make two and a half million, you know, let's say it's a pool. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the year, the four traders make 10 million bucks. And you ask each one of them, how much of that 10 was because of you? It it add up to 20 million Mm -hmm. because everybody would think, well, okay. So um, what really worked nicely at, at Greenwich Capital was for the main risk takers, it was a formula. And the money went, your, your trade, you had your account. And mm-hmm. it, so it was 
there wasn't a lot of room for squirreling around, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I had a little latitude if a guy was a big contributor or took one for the team or whatever. At the end of the year, I might make an adjustment. But for the for the line guys, you know, guys like myself or fish fan, snowboard buddy, the the, the bonus meetings were pretty straightforward. Here's your revenues. These are the expenses I'm assigning to you. Here's your percentage. Here's your payout. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, generally it was like 90 seconds that they yeah. were happy with what they were getting. I was relieved to be done with it. You know, it's like, yep. let's finish this conversation before we fuck it up. Yeah. Understood. So, wow. But I had another 10 people, let's say that I had to pay. And so, uh, I don't know if this is too much information, but at this point, I'm living in a gated community. Um, so the way my deal worked was my department, we had our my department revenues, right? And then from that, I got charged expenses. Then after that, a percentage got applied, and that was the bonus pool. Okay. So... For the traders, I just divvied the money up based on their deal, right? But what I realized was you have all these people who are now on what we would call a discretionary bonus. And, you know, a year's a long time, right? So what I early on figured out was if you wait to the last two weeks of the year to determine what people are getting paid, it's probably not going to be a balanced uh, approach. And then more importantly, here's the hard part. Every dollar that I didn't give them, I got to keep. I was the plug guy. Wow, yeah. Okay. yeah. So keeping in mind, I had a boss who told me I made all the money, so I kept all the bonus money. That left a mark on me. So what I went and did, and I've explained this to a couple of our mutual friends. So I think for the first 10 months of the year, once a month I sat down and I did everyone's bonus based on where we were at that point in time. And then for the last two months, I probably did it every week. And then for the last two weeks, I might have might have done it every day. So by the time I got done, I was so numb with the numbers. A couple things. One was I'd been doing it long enough and I knew what the market was for these jobs. There was no way I was going to be off. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I completely removed in my mind the element of, well, I made the money, I'm going to keep the money. And so Circling back to your comment about having all these people work for all those years, it, it, it's one thing and one thing only. They had to have felt they weren't going to get paid better anywhere else. It's just that simple. Yeah. Wow. So uh, that that's the, the thing that worked for me. So this is a, like a long-winded explanation about the professional trading. Um, so going back to the Russia thing, this fellow knows more about Russia than me, okay? But, you know, I didn't really see 
anything particularly uh, um, important coming out of that other than the metals, the precious metals, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, now the ruble's getting the shit kicked out of it and Russia has a lot of gold, how much they have. I, I will push back against this gentleman whatever they say they have they don't have that much because they're fucking liars and mm-hmm. you're never going to convince me of that okay uh but it seems to me that the metals make a nice trade and russia makes a nice story um but i don't get caught up in the i know more than anybody else right mm-hmm. and why i'm comfortable saying that is because i didn't get an email from some guy going you stupid fuck you know, that's not how it goes, right? We we have a conversation. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the cryptocurrency thing for a minute. Okay. And um, so I'm 61, and that's no longer young, right? I mean, as much as, you know, I think I dress nicely and I try and, you know, have a good haircut and I ride my bike and I snowboard and I'm an old timer at this point, right? And you know, for all the bad things that come of it, there there's some good things. So why do I hate the crypto stuff so much? And I'd like to explain that, not to change anybody's opinion, but just to have a, an understanding about why it's just not an old man barking keep off the grass. Okay, so. Keeping in mind, uh, I started trading professionally 1983. Okay. So 83 from uh, 17, that's 39 years. Did I do the math right? Yeah. Close, yeah. close enough? Okay. Yeah, my whole life. <laughs> okay. So um, I've seen a lot of new products come over that period of time. Okay. So one of them were these futures contracts which at this point, I don't know how many I've traded. Uh, E.g. Fish Fan may know better. I may have traded 5 million. I may have traded 25 million futures <laughs> contracts in my life. I, I don't know what the number is, okay. but it's, it's just crazy. It's, a, it's astounding, right? Yeah. So early on, um, they developed these trades using futures. And one of the simple trades was called the basis trade. And it came, the term basis came from the grain markets because you would have the cash price and the futures price. And that difference okay. would, be yep. called the, would be called the basis. Okay. So there was a fellow, a Kidder Peabody, who did a bunch of trades and he would short the cash security and he would buy the future. And as time went by, the difference, that basis would narrow, and it appeared he was making money, okay? Well, in reality, at that point in Kidder, the interest cost by being short the cash was billed to the repo department. So his expense on that trade was being eaten by somebody else. So what was happening was he was seen as this rising star because he's making all this money because wow. the, 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 the basis is narrowing, yet he's getting the, the narrowing, but he's not paying 
what we call the negative carry, right? Okay. okay. So that that's one example of a new product where um, people don't uh, really fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Is it is it cryptocurrency? Well, no, but it's a new product, and mm-hmm. I saw it go awry. Um, right before I started, there was a uh, a repo broker called Lombard Wall. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure our friend Anthony Peters, who's lying on the beach right now, is going to get a kick out of this. So back right before I started, people would do a term repo trade. And term repo in my day would be like three months or six months. But Lombard Wall was doing two or three year repo trades. And they were getting people to post excess collateral, excess margin. And the Lombard Wall guys, I think, if I remember, because this is like 40 years ago, they were taking the extra collateral and they were like the like the Deutsche Bank guys. They were going to strip clubs. And <laughs> so, so that's another example. 1982. Um, 1982. That was Lombard okay, Wall. Right. Yeah, wow. So, so here's the best thing. I think I think this is the neatest thing. So take your plain vanilla mortgage. What do you do? You know, uh, John and Mary just got married. They put down 15% on a house and they get a mortgage for 85%, right? And every month they make their mortgage payment, which is the same amount of money every month. Right? Okay. But that payment is split into two things interest and principal. Okay. So when you have a mortgage, they they'll trade. You can trade them as a security. And they're a little volatile because if interest rates go down, that young couple will probably refinance at a lower rate. And so the investor gets his money back sooner than he would like. Or if rates go up, they probably won't refinance. And the investor probably won't get his money back as soon as he wants. But in return for those two bad outcomes, he gets a slightly higher yield. Okay. So enter into the fray some genius. I don't know who this was. It's, it's probably the same guy who convinced people that blowjobs weren't sex, but I digress. Somebody came up with the idea that you take a mortgage and you put it in a trust and you rip it apart. First thing they do is they rip it into IOs and POs. Yep. So the mortgage payment, which was interest and principal, okay, now you can buy just the interest portion and or you can buy just the principal portion. So basically what you now have is you took gentle spring water and you, and you turned it into nitro and glycerin. Jeez, yeah. Okay. So um, they take it up a notch and it's then – But wait, there's more. Yeah. And then they start splitting it into, well, wait a minute. Let's pretend that IO that you own, Mm. if it pays off at this, they call them CPR, Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. you get this much. Mm -hmm. And if it pays off at a quicker CPR, 
yeah. you get more. And uh, okay. beautiful. So, um, the, what what I noticed this happening because at this point, when this thing, when this, what's the word? When this financial alchemy started, I was sitting right in the middle of the trading room in Greenwich. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I freaking heard everything. And what would happen would be the the mortgage desk would say, I'm looking to buy 500 million fannies, you know, fives mm-hmm. of whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the salesman would sell block 500 million. And a day or two later, you'd hear the salesman saying, you know, I need the such and such, you know, pool number, whatever. And so basically what was happening was the desk was buying these mortgages, the home mortgages yep. at a price of par. And they were selling this shit to the clients at a price of 105. Wow. And, I, and for months I would sit there and there was one of these uh, slightly older guys than me that predated me at the firm. And I'd be look, we'd be looking at each other. It's like, how can this be happening? <sighs> and, and you know how it was happening? Because people didn't know what the fucking price was for this shit. Incredible. And so um, how does this tie in to the crypto stuff? Okay. Well, I have a page of examples of what I've just given you. Okay. And every time I saw one of these things, somebody would tell me, you don't know that's it's you, you, are just too cynical. Okay. So I want to say it was 2010. Uh, Cheryl, who reads the New Yorker religiously, gives me this article about this Bitcoin thing. And I read it, and it talks about like a couple of guys down in freaking Arkansas or something. I mean, I, I want to say they were like chicken farmers, but in in the barn they yeah. had these things, and they mm-hmm, were mining mm-hmm. bitcoins, something like this. Okay. And at that point, a a pizza costs like ten thousand bitcoin, right? Yep, I remember. So, anyway, fascinated with markets. And one of my colleagues who I spoke to this week and has not given me permission to use his name yet. Uh, I won't mention his name, mm-hmm. but I show him the thing. And uh, I said, what do you think? And he said, well, like always, he's like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Let me take a look. So he comes back a few days later. And he says, well, I got to tell you, you know, we can do this because we had massive amounts of spare computing powder. Right, because when the market was closed, the, the computers were just wow, sitting. There, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah, said yeah. somehow he figured out the electricity cost. Okay, so we don't do it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm watching this thing, and I don't know. Maybe it's ten bucks. It goes from a nickel to ten bucks or whatever. Oh. And I'm getting ready to buy some. Okay, and. I don't know, figure out how much I was going to put in. Um, Please don't even it, think. It was, never, it. it was never going to be a ton, but you know me. It's like I'm not putting It would putting be in. today. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's like I I'm not going to. I love this. I love these stories, though. Yeah. So the place at this point buy and hold this stuff is this thing called Mount Gox. I remember. Right? Okay. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. About a week before I – I go to buy the thing. 
I, re- I found out Mount Gox is like this gaming platform. I mean, it's like Grand Theft Auto or something. Right. I don't know what yeah. the fucking yeah. thing is. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I don't know. God, this just, <laughs> just doesn't feel right. And a week later, sure enough. they they rob it for, what, $800 million? Historical heist, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So now, you know, I'm convinced this is the devil incarnate, right? Okay. So I'm like, there's no way I'm putting money in an investment that some fucking guy out of Eastern Europe is going to go steal the money, right? Wow, okay. yeah. So then... I go about my business. I don't think too much about it. And then uh, there are, let me think. There are three different groups. Actually, it's it's two brothers and then two other guys who I happen to know. Okay. okay. So the brothers, I think, are freaking chuckleheads. Okay. The, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other two guys, uh, one guy had run a hedge fund, big name mm-hmm. guy, mm-hmm. you know, blew up. Mm-hmm. Now he's hawking the fucking Bitcoin. And the other guy I met back when I first met Leslie. Wow. Okay. And this guy was out looking for a job because he tried to, you know, buy all of the T-bills and Denmark or something. So it's like (laughs) chucklehead, chucklehead, chucklehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, this is a fucking joke. Can't get involved in this. Yeah. 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 So so I kind of look at all these things I've done in my career and seen where it's like, oh, yeah, nothing can go wrong. It's perfectly fine. You know, how how could oil ever trade at negative $24 a barrel, right? Okay. Yeah, of course. Great. Mia culpa, I'm wrong. Bitcoin cures his cancer and fixes everything. But, but it's not like I just woke up one morning and saw kids playing on my lawn and I'm like, get the fuck off my lawn. I'm you know, I, I would say easily, easily a half dozen times I've had legitimate traders come up to me and say, I've got a trade, you it can't lose. It's impossible to lose. Mm-hmm. Six for six. Six for six. Wow. Amazing. So, you know, yep. that's that's kind of my story and I'm sticking to it. But to tie this together, you get a bunch of guys or gals or days, okay, who are pulling in the same direction. They have financial incentive to work together, right? You treat each other with respect. Yep. And it fucking works. And mm-hmm. and uh, yep. I guess this is a good time to have a public service announcement to talk about Lollapalooza and uh, DJ Sol. <laughs> it's David Solomon now, okay? He's no longer DJ D. Sol. All right, first let's talk about Lollapalooza. All right, let me start with Lollapalooza, okay? Lollapalooza was cool in 1993, Maybe 1994, all right? Jane's Addiction set it up. Okay, so we're going to go back 25 years, and and that's when the festival was cool. I looked at the guest list this year. Okay, I recognized Metallica. You have to live under a rock to not Martha, recognize Martha Stewart. Right. Not even, not even. The, the drop-off was so precipitous after Metallica. I literally, there was 100 bands. I didn't recognize anyone. So it's a it's a classic concert bill. 
you know, Metallica headline, and then the font gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So finally, when I got the magnifying glass and I read down on the bottom line, sure enough, David Solomon. I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. Lollapalooza, all right? Slipknot, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> Nickelback. <laughs> okay. I, I, fi- I figured it out, by the way. I, I have it figured out. Dude, you're gonna you're, uh, let me just finish. All right, yeah, please. you're gonna run one of the biggest, most prestig- prestigious shops on Wall Street, and you're gonna be out fucking around at Lollapalooza on a summer weekend in July. I, Come I can, on, man! I can explain it. I have the whole thing figured out. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you, are you sitting down? You, you, yeah, this is, these are your people. You know, these m- masters of the universe at the age of sixty. So, yeah, he's a year younger than me. Okay. Um. Okay. So. You know how there's this whole school of thought that there's a deep state in America that really runs everything? You're familiar with this concept? It's like the bureaucrats. They're the ones. Okay. So I think the same thing exists at Goldman Sachs. Why do I say that? Okay. Well, clearly, number one, you, you hire... You pick a guy who was a commercial paper broker, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. not really nuclear yep. physics, right? right? right. Okay. Yep. Who was the guy before him? Lloyd Blankfein. Military, Where did Lloyd... military strategist. Gold salesman? Gold what salesman? the fuck does a gold salesman <laughs> do? Like bond salesman I get. Like here, I – Let's sell this 10-year note and buy the, mm-hmm. the, the nine-and-a-half-year note. You shorten up your duration. You pick up eight basis points. The thing trades tight on repo. Fantastic trade. Yep, what do you yep. do? It's like, hey, today I got 24 carat on special. <laughs> right? Or, or let's, let's sell 24 carat gold and buy it. What the fuck do you do as a gold salesman? Yeah. I don't get it. So what happened is – after Goldman went from a partnership to public, this deep state took over. And what they do is they find the least competent person they can to run the firm. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. in the background, right, they're doing yeah. their little nefarious yeah. activities. Yeah. And yeah. you got, you know. Yeah. Okay, Saul, hey, look over there, you know. Yeah. yeah this, it, he's. It, Exactly. It's the classic. I, to- I, I totally believe it. There's got to be serious people that there's a closed room meeting where there's eight guys and girls that are calling the shots and he gets a script and he, this is what you say, make yourself scarce. Don't embarrass us. Yeah. You can go DJ and okay. But just, there's no way that you can be running the show and calling the shots. That's a seven day, 24 hour. You yeah. do not, you do not have time to be DJ. Right. I, I look me in my pitiful little career. Okay, I gave it up at the end because I couldn't deal with the twenty four seven three sixty four. One day off a year, in my mind, that's because December thirty one, the year was over. Yeah. January one, market was closed, and then the year started. And yeah, yeah. It, I, I just. <laughs> Did it until I couldn't literally put one foot in front of the other. And you get this guy, like, 
I, at I Goldman Sachs. At Goldman <laughs> Sachs, man. I got a buddy who quit. All right. He worked on the gold desk at Goldman, okay? And he quit because he didn't like holding the overnight positions. He quit working at Goldman. And he said, and he's a he's a very talented, he's an art teacher now, okay? He's a high school art teacher, happy as can be, has a wonderful, successful life and family. His wife makes more money than God working at some big shop down on the main line. But anyway, he's an art teacher. And he said, I I'm, walked into his office, at, at his boss at Goldman and said, I hate it. He goes, I can't do it. I'm just not enjoying it. And he goes, look, the money's good. You've only been here for a year or two. It's going to get great. And this was probably like around 92, 93. And he says, no, I just, I, I, there's more to life than this. I can't do it. I want to go, you know, I'm going to go and do something else. And he quit and he walked away from Goldman. And people said, what are you crazy? You know, they called him a week later. Hey, look, you're making a big mistake. He said, no, I'm just not going to do it. So that's the culture, you know, that where like the culture at Goldman is legendary. You know, you know, people there, I know people there to have your boss, like, how how can you be sitting in the office Friday night, you know, looking at your Bloomberg terminal and thinking like David Solomon's out? Oh, I'm going to go spin records on Sunday morning at two a.m. I, I, I don't know. It's, you're, a, it's astounding. You're, you're not allowed to answer, ask that question. It's just not right. So, and, anyway. all right, so while we're on the topic, so speaking of Lloyd, Lloyd dusted off his Twitter account this week. Okay, and again, this is this is again. I know you don't like Twitter, but I mean, without it, how would we get these fucking gems, Mars? You got, I don't know. First, we get the Lollapalooza lineup. That was nice on Tuesday. We should have done the show Tuesday night. Then Lloyd comes on and he says, "You know, for, I'm not a military strategist. Whenever you start, you're with. I'm not a." But okay, I have some ideas, and then that wasn't good enough. So now that we know that Lloyd's woken up from his nap and he's playing with Twitter, he comes on the next day and he says, "You know, even Hitler had chemical weapons, but he didn't use them." Excuse me. He, it's Godwin's law. Godwin's law works. Thank you. It didn't take long, so we got there quickly. Okay, <laughs> Godwin's law, correct? Which is just astounding. But he went there really quickly. He di Hitler didn't have chemical weapons. Lloyd, have you? Maybe you're not. Maybe you should go and visit Auschwitz or Dachau <laughs> and, and and explain to me that like when those chambers, when they put the poor people and the women and children in, in the chambers, if that was a chemical weapon that they killed, uh, put a number on it. You can dispute the number. Millions of innocent people. So, Lloyd, put the phone down. Log off of Twitter unless you're going to read like my feed or the Market Huddle. They post good content. But really, you got to stop spitballing on Twitter. And that goes for your buddy Bill Ackman, too, who also has been shooting his mouth off on that. Again, with military strategy, and I'm not this. And how, I, how about this for a line? Farming's easy when your pencil <laughs> is the plow and the field is a thousand miles from where you're sitting. Eisenhower. Bravo. Bravo. This is, see, that's, what what did you get that? Why, somebody just used that. Grant, was it? Did you read that in Grants today? Somebody no. used that today. Uh, somebody I, used that today, uh, yeah. and that's the only fucking reason I know it. Okay, I'm not. I'm no I, dope. Okay, I, I want to thank Grants Interest Rate Observer. No, I, I, okay, I think it was our good friend Anthony Peters. Oh, I you're think. right. You're right. You're right. I apologize. It was Anthony. Yeah, yes. I tell okay. you what, we've assembled a little cabal of of, uh, of a brain trust here. We, I, I'm afraid we're going to have to raise the uh, subscription rate because at this point, the expenses, uh, you know, the the marketing, yep, the entertaining the clients, re research, yep. the research budget is just. Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way. <laughs> I gave you that whole big to do about 
It's twos tens, not tens oh, I twos. And I, I know. <laughs> there was somebody out there who, not twenty four hours later, I know, went tens twos, and I'm like, oh no. I told you, it's like a yellow car. Once you you don't see it until you're looking for it. And I like, sure enough, Monday morning I see tens too. So I'm like, I had to block someone on Twitter. I said, nope, you're blocked. I said, you, you know, you don't, you're, you're out, you're out of the circle of trust. Morris said this, like just out of his mouth. He said it on Sunday night, tens twos. Come on, it's really simple, people. Um, yeah, that's the same mouth that said relief rally. <laughs> Okay, one more thing. You talked about yeah. entertaining clients. I just want to, you know, since you're the boss here and you and you sign, okay, you sign the expense reports. When I take, um, you know, the 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 staff here, the research department, to out for an evening of entertainment, you know, like at you know, Rick's Cabaret um, or one of the other lovely establishments downtown in Manhattan. Am I going to get fired if I submit that to to IBWOC? Um, are the strip clubs no dice anymore? You know, because those guys uh, got axed from Deutsche Bank for a thousand dollars strip club tab. Uh, yeah, there was a guy at Greenwich Capital who once said, "I don't mind." They they taped all our phone calls, right? Yep. It's like that, yeah. I don't mind the SEC listening to my phone calls. I don't want my wife listening. <laughs> <Why>? to <them. laughs> So, no, we don't reimburse. Like, for Understood. instance, if you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David, mm-hmm. HBO pays for porn. <laughs> like, if you're, okay, no, we don't, no I, okay. no, I don't authorize any of that. What you do on your own time and on your own okay. nickel, no right. judgment, but don't put on the corporate card. Okay, very good. Just want to clarify oh, that moving it's, forward. It's always so much fun to see you, pal. Are we going to fish together? Are you going to be home for fish in April? No, no I think I'm going to be here till May. All right. Uh, so uh, I'll be there on the couch tour, unfortunately. Any of you big bankers out there with a nice luxury box, you know the email address. <laughs> I think uh, Big Ed may be able to cut into a vein with one of our favorite CEOs. They may be able to hook wow. you up. But, okay. Uh, All right. Well, I don't want to jinx it, so I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the, the tickets haven't been that expensive because no one wants to go get the pox. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm sure I could go down and get in 119 if I wanted to, you know. But once yeah. you've been up in the luxury suites, I mean, I can't be down there with the unwashed masses, you know. No, having the, you know, bartender and the little fire and the, it's a little, uh, it's a little nice. the, it's nice. the cupcakes from Clinton Street Bakery or that's not the cupcake place. What's the famous cupcake place uh, down in the West Melissa. Village? Baked by Melissa? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So uh, that's it, huh? Yeah, Jim Cramer said that the bear uh, the bear market's over. So go out Good. on Monday morning and and just dump back up the truck, load it up, uh, and and go. And you're on your own, fellas. <laughs> All right, pal. You have I'll a good. See you one. next week, buddy. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>